This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson with you and with us today for the first part of the show. You know him from the Kevin Sheehan Show, the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast, and other things that are named after Kevin Sheehan. It is <laughs> Kevin Sheehan. And Kevin, it's appropriate you are our first guest here on the podcast as you really? were our first oh, guest. Yeah, we, we went guestless on Monday. And during our pregame show all year long, you were the first guest every show. So I, I feel like this is appropriate. Oh, the first one on the pregame show. I was the first one each week. Yeah, you were always in that first hour with us. That was fine. That was fun and fine. Both of those. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun, but also terrible. We didn't do a good job. No, it was it was fun. It was fine. Um, And you also have a I'm putting this in air quotes obsession with the schedule. Really, just you have a running bit over the course of years of doing the mock schedule every year. I want to know the story behind the mock schedule. I don't. I think I actually used to do it on my own. I was such a loser. Like around this time of the year when the schedule was coming out, I would like sit there and pencil out. Right? I want the Dallas game to be here at home, and I want the road game. I want them to play on Thanksgiving. And then um, I think I was doing the show with Rigo, which was, you know, like 16 years ago now, something like that. And he was like just dumbfounded by the whole mock draft thing. Like he didn't get it. He didn't understand why people did it or why people were interested in it. And it was really even 16 years ago, the mock draft thing was huge. I mean, it's been that for 25 years probably. And I just said, yeah, no, people are into this. The draft is a big deal. And I said, but what would really be absurd would be to do a mock schedule. Because I actually fool around and pencil out a schedule before schedule day. So I started it then. And a good year for me is to get like one game right. That's a phenomenal year. Um, and a, an average year is to get like, like already I know this. If, if the Chicago guy is right, I predicted my mock schedule that Washington would play Chicago on Thursday night football. And they're going to play. Chicago on Thursday night football. The date's wrong. I'm about two months off, but I consider that to be a win. That's like a half win. <laughs> if like we're doing over unders, and it's like you know four and a half is the number. You got your half. You got the, oh, no, the, the, the over under number is about one and a half. Correct. It sounds like it's and half. Get, it sounds like it's point, point five. Yeah, I got a half point on that one. All right. So yeah, so it might be point five. The over under. We hit the line. We hit the line. Now we just got to get one more right. Um, what? Where did you think the Jacksonville game was going to be in your mock schedule? As I should tell the audience listening, because people will listen to this because it's a podcast at some point over the next couple of days. We're recording this about 2 o'clock on Thursday, so some of you were probably listening, uh, laughing at us afterwards, after the schedule has come out, at whatever we're about to say. Uh, but 
as of now, we the only game we really know is that Jacksonville, per J.P. Finley, is going to be the opener. So where did you have that one, and slash who did you have opening this season? By the way, there's no such thing in the podcast world uh, about, about dated content, as long as we're <laughs> having fun talking about it in the moment. Agreed. Agreed. I had Jacksonville week four at home. I had at Indy as the opener, just doing oh. Carson Wentz against Indy. Now, the Jacksonville opener is Carson Wentz returning to the scene of the crime, which wasn't actually that game was in Jacksonville, but against the team that may have ended it for him in that season finale last year in Indy when they got blown out by Jacksonville in a game they had to win to get to the postseason. So is that like why you like doing the schedule? Because it's like these little storylines that you're weaving in and out. Is that kind of why it's fun? Or I've always been fascinated with just the process, like the logistical challenge of putting mm. an NFL schedule together. It's, it would be... I would actually love the LA Times did a story last weekend. They had a guy on the inside watching them put this thing together. And it really is an amazing challenge, right? You know, 32 teams playing 17 games with primetime TV. TV is really the driving force for a lot of it, but competitive, you know, fairness is a part of it as well. And they can never make everybody happy. But I think that that process would be fun to be a part of. But no, I've just focused on Washington. When I really cared about the team, and I don't care as much as I used to for many reasons, um, I just would be excited to, to see, you know, okay, they should be playing Dallas on a Monday night and Dallas on Thanksgiving. I hope it plays out that way, you know, and it would be more just sort of nerdy stuff. But, um, yeah, this, this you know, total uh, mock uh, schedule is to be mocked by all of <laughs> It's there for that purpose. It's stupid. You know, that, do you have a time of year that you do? I mean, obviously, we, it's close to the schedule release. But when did you do it on the show? Was it this week? Was it last week? So, you know, the schedule used to come out before the draft. It used to be in mm. April, right after, like, the NCAA championship game and baseball starting. It would be the next week or that week. Right. You know, the first or second week in April. Um, they um, Because of the pandemic, they waited to schedule – 2020 and then they're like why are we doing it early we should wait for the draft anyway and for everything to be completed but i think they used to do it earlier because they wanted you know teams to have more time to plan um but i think this makes more sense yeah and like you mentioned that you kind of do it just for the logistical exercise are there any specific storylines of the games on the schedule that you are looking forward to covering this year and Craig, you can answer that question too. I'm curious. Game which hasn't been announced, like the Rams have Buffalo at home this year. That's mm-hmm. a possibility. Dallas at home, but Dallas opened at Tampa last year in the Thursday night, you know, opener. Right. Maybe Dallas do that two years in a row as the road team against the defending champs. Probably not. But the NFL is after ratings. I mean, Dallas at LA in the opening Thursday night game would be off the charts, just like the Tampa game was last year. Um, I think Buffalo at uh, at the Rams, the two yeah. Super Bowl. I mean, I think Buffalo is the Super Bowl favorite right now, as we speak, and they're certainly the AFC championship favorite if, if Kansas City isn't. So that game would be interesting, and then San Francisco against LA would be a rematch of the NFC title game. And then I think the holiday games are always interesting. You know, Thanksgiving is the most watched NFL day of the year in the regular season. Mm. Those games are always super highly rated. We've already got one game released, Vikings-Patriots at night. 
And Washington plays at Detroit and at Dallas every year. So there's still a chance that they could play at Detroit or at Dallas. I did learn earlier they're not going to play on Christmas Day. There's a triple header on Christmas Day going head-to-head like they've never done before with the NBA. They've had double headers on Christmas Day, never a triple header. So, and by the way, when they go head to head with the NBA, they destroy it. <laughs> yeah. and, and Christmas Day is known for being an NBA day. But when the NFL has Christmas Day on a Saturday or a Sunday, they'll usually do a double header. And last year there was one. It was Cleveland, Green Bay, and then it was Arizona, India, I think, in the night game. Because I think Carson. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the ratings were through the roof, and they, you know, they, the NBA paled in comparison. Yeah, so which NBA, I hate. I love it, but. Yeah, I mean, as an NBA, Kevin, I know you are too, a big NBA guy. Like, I always look forward to the day full of basketball. I usually do too. But the NFL always is, you know, I find myself watching watching the football too. Um, and part of that's occupational hazard, obviously. But um, in terms of stuff that I'm looking forward to, I mean, there's some great revenge games. I mean, you, you have Russell Wilson going back to Seattle. You know, you have uh, a rematch of that epic bills chiefs game on the schedule like there's a bunch of good storyline matchups and some of those like the bills chiefs as long as everyone's healthy like that should be good some of them are like more individual players and you look at them in may and you're like that's cool and then by the time you get to november the player involved is hurt and you're like well never mind uh and and so that that's the thing about trying to predict the schedule like even as we get into the commander's schedule in a few seconds here or a few minutes here like they're predicted to have one of the easiest schedules in football they're tied with the cowboys which makes sense because they play almost the entire same opponents to have the easiest schedule based off last year's records but who knows what's going to happen like and, and also when you get those teams you know if jacksonville figures some things out it takes them five or six weeks you get them week one you're great by the end of the season, even if they don't make the playoffs, maybe they're like a, a hard team to beat. So I, I think well, that's the, always the interesting thing. Cleveland, they've got on the schedule. What if they get him when he's out and right. suspended versus when he's back and has played a couple of games? That's 100%. A- so it actually leads to a good question for you, Logan, of like, as a player, did you care about this day at all? Did you care beyond maybe like if you had a game, say, say San Francisco was on the schedule in a road game, and you know, like your family was going to want to come or something like that. Outside of like very personal reasons, related to uh, getting tickets for people. Did you care about this day at all? I didn't care at all. I cared less than, like, this was, like, the least important thing on my radar. Like, <laughs> like all I cared about was, like, you know, this is, like, kind of mid-off-season program time for the guys. So mm-hmm. I was like, am I doing what I need to do to get ready for the season? Am I learning the offense? Am I making good impressions? Am I spending time with my family in an appropriate way, like, kind of balancing this work-life thing? Uh, because oftentimes, especially later in my career, I'd leave, you know, I'd get out of the state, and my, my family, my kids would be here and I'd be away. So that was, I didn't care one iota. You know, my wife stopped going to the games once my kids were born. So like, she didn't even care. The only person that cared would be like, um, you know, like a high school buddy who'd call me and be like, Hey, can I get tickets to whatever game? And I'm like, text me like five days before the game and we'll see what happens. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's funny to me that now I got to talk about it and you know, it's like this big thing, <laughs> but, uh, like I really, don't care. You know what I mean? Because like, like you said, like there's just so much that changes. Like you mentioned the Russell Wilson game, for example. Like that game should be a blowout. Seattle should get killed because like the roster compositions right now are so drastically different. But it's a cool story now because it's a revenge game. But it's going to be a terrible football game. So like I don't really care. You know, some of them. Uh, <laughs> so like that's like. And then as a player, like I don't care. Whoever we're playing that week, I'm going to watch the film, get ready, and then on to the next week. So you know, it's I'm trying to hide my total anxiety or hatred of talking about it but here we are going for it 
you know, hey, we're about authenticity. You better let the people know. <laughs> you know, teams care though, Logan. Players don't. And yeah. I'll, remind me because I want to tell you a story about our, our, you know, close friend Chris Cooley and the first year I did the mock schedule um, for him on the show. Uh, but teams care because they put in a list of their preferences. You know, like Washington, apparently their number one suggestion to the schedule makers this year was we want our travel reduced, our overall travel in short time frames compared to the rest of the division. Well, they should have a, a similar travel schedule to New York and Philly, but Dallas is further west, at least mm. on my map. So when they go west, it's a shorter trip. Apparently, Dallas has had the easiest travel schedule in the division the last couple of years because both all four teams have played a bunch of West Coast teams, but it's because of their geographic location. But um, Cooley made so much fun of me when I was doing my mock schedule one year when we weren't doing a show together. And he said, I don't get it. He goes, I couldn't care less about the schedule. I'm like, yeah, exactly. And then when we started to do the show together, swear to God, the first year I do the mock schedule and he goes, we go to, we throw it to a break and he goes, my mock schedule's coming up next. <laughs> I said, and I looked at him and I said, excuse me? And he said, I did one too. And I said, no, no, this isn't your bit. This is my yeah. bit. I said, I don't do a film breakdown on, on Tuesdays <laughs> after a game. You're not doing one. And he said, but I did one, and mine's much different and better than yours. Um, so I let him do it one year, and then he said, all right, this is your bit. It was too much work to put it together. Anyway. Well, even just hearing you talk about it, it sounded crazy. You know, like just looking up travel <laughs> schedules and availabilities and different, you know, like I was just like, man, I didn't even think about it. Like I just, as a player, you just take it for granted. You just show up and do it. But I'm sure like the logistical element of it is pretty overwhelming. I will tell you as a beat reporter, I thought about it. Uh, in terms of the travel, because the year that we had, it was 2018, uh, you had AFC West, NFC West. This year, by the way, it's NFC North, AFC South are the other two divisions that uh, Washington is playing in its entirety. But in 2018, the way it lined up, it was West and West. So we had like four or five West Coast trips, you know, West Coast being relative for some of those because, you know, you go to Kansas City and that's the AFC West. Um, but the airline miles stacked up. <laughs> and so I knew that like when the off season came, I was going to be able to go on a good free vacation and I was going to have airline status. So 2019, I had airline status. I got upgraded on like half of my flights for the season because I had just accumulated so many airline miles going to Seattle. I think we went to LA twice, Kansas city. So in, in that, that's where I live, Logan. You, you're just you. like, Hey, week at a time, what's on the film. I'm like, how many airline miles am I going to get? Can I get, can I get to gold status? What about silver? Well, it's also the cities you go to. I mean, for sure. I mean, Jacksonville's not a great trip. New Thank Orleans. God, I never. Actually, no, I did go once. Yeah, New Orleans. Yeah. We had New Orleans like three straight years. The best. Yeah, the best. Um, so, so, Kevin, I got a quick question for Kevin. So, yeah. obviously, like strength of schedule, and everyone talks about people improving and teams improving. Um, I, you know, like I think this team could have done absolutely zero this offseason and been in a better situation just because of the teams they're playing. Like, how do you view the strength of schedule thing? I kind of, you know, because like you always have such good insight in season. I know you might be in off-season mode, but curious to get your thoughts on that. I, I ignore it. The NFL is a week-to-week league. I mean, mm. I think the biggest, you know, we all do it in the business we're in is go through the schedule and go, you know, W-L-L. Yeah. It's the most ridiculous exercise. I mean, Craig's already touched on it. It's not who you play. It's when you play them. And every yeah. year, you know, half the teams that make the playoffs are teams that – if they were on your schedule, you thought it was a win because they sucked, you know, on paper. 
you just can't predict that. You know, there are a few franchises that are consistent, but year in and year out, like looking at the teams they play, right away you're going to think, well, Jacksonville's a winnable game, and, you know, Atlanta's a winnable game, and Cleveland, well, no, Deshaun Watson, the Giants twice uh, at Detroit, but that's a big mistake every year. Sometimes the games that look like W's are losses and vice versa. I think just the NFL is the the definition of unpredictability. Um, and it's so different year to year. I mean, sometimes, you know, you can't figure out who's good and who isn't until you're halfway done through the season. You know, it's really hard. Yeah. So I don't look at it as, like, the strength of schedule is based on last year's records. Um, Warren Sharp, I think it was Warren Sharp, did a strength of schedule based on Vegas's over-under win totals. That's a better way to do it, to look at what uh, the team is supposed to be in the upcoming year versus what they were last year. But even that, you know, is, you know, is, is, is a tough thing to predict. No doubt. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Take Command Podcast. Make sure you subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. Logan Paulson, Craig Hoffman, Kevin Sheehan is with us on this week's show. So here's how first the guess, schedule... Baby. Yeah, first guest. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> Will, uh, you got some nice, like, 
artwork behind you, Kevin. We'll we'll send you another trophy, by the way, to add to that. I, I think I see a place for it. <laughs> I am sitting uh, at my wife's desktop in her office in her home right now. It's a nice okay, aesthetic, well, though. You, you can put it wherever in your studio, wherever it is you want. It's your trophy, but we'll just make sure that that uh, in well, our very my, large my podcast studio, budget, I have gets a couple of Dundies sitting behind me. Um, for those <laughs> office fans out there, um, but that's there about it. I don't. I'm not a memorabilia guy. I don't keep anything. Do you guys? Well, I, bet, uh, I know Logan doesn't. No, I don't. No, I don't keep anything. Do you keep, do you keep stuff when you go to Super Bowls and stuff like that? I never keep I, any of it. I have. I have a couple of press passes from over the years. When I'm, some of them is just laziness of like, ah, I put it down when I get home because I'm exhausted, and then it just sits on the counter, and then you go to move, and you're like. I should really clean this up. I, I, I should generally clean it up. Uh, but specifically, this press pass can go in the garbage. But I've got some from, like, Super Bowl press rows. Um, I have some from, like, Final Fours and stuff over the years. Uh, but I, eventually, when I have a home as opposed to an apartment, uh, I will probably get, like, a shadow box situation. Because I think that's, that's kind of cool stories and stuff, but not, like, a, a huge sentimental memorabilia guy, no. Um, all right, so here's what we got on the schedule. Here's how the, the schedule is going to come together for the Commanders. You have your six games against your divisional opponents. You got four from the team within your own conference, which this year is the NFC North. So you got Packers, Vikings, Bears, Lions. And then you got an AFC division. It's the South this year. Titans, Jags, Texans, Colts, which is fun considering Wentz. And then you got NFC South, NFC West, uh, third-place finishers from last year. Uh, which are the Falcons and the 49ers. And then you have basically a random one. Uh, that is the Browns. Uh, so you obviously have a very interesting storyline there pending the Deshaun Watson saga. Uh, let's let's each just kind of go through here. Game you're most looking forward to on paper as we stand now, understanding all the caveats we talked about in the first 15 minutes of this podcast. What's the game that you're most interested to figure out where it is on the schedule and, and most interested to assuming that it kind of goes as planned to watch, consume, go to whatever it may be? Logan, do you have one? Uh, so I was just going to say like um, either da- either Dallas game or the Philly game because I feel like right now they're like the class of the division and I want to see how this team stacks up with them. And I'm really anxious to kind of get that measuring stick. All you know, what is Carson Wentz like? How has he improved the team? How has he improved the roster? Jahan Dotson, like, are these pieces in the the draft that they've done this off season, like, has it improved them, or are they the same? And have they kept pace with those teams that are very good? You know, Dallas is kind of taking a little bit of a regression in terms of pieces that they've lost. And then Philly seems to be just like going ahead full steam. Only limiting factor there is Jalen Hurts, like we talked about on your show the other day, Kevin. Um, I know you like Jalen. I like Jalen too. But in terms of roster, and so like where, where are we? Can we win the division? Like I think those are also all good indicator games of that. And I'm just excited to see how the team matches up. There, there are a couple. I mean, first of all, Carson Wentz gets Philly twice and Indy. You know, on the schedule. So he gets three games against his former teams that both said, please get out of here and get out of here quickly. So those are motivating games for him, I would think. I think Kirk Cousins coming back to D.C. for the first time since he left is a big storyline game. Now, we'll see what the league and how they treat it. You know, I think Washington just in general isn't treated as kind of marquee anymore, especially their home games, because it doesn't look great aesthetically on TV. Um, But they're also playing at San Francisco. And remember, I think I'm right about this. They played the 49ers in the rain at FedEx a couple of years ago, and it was a nine to nothing final. I think it was nine nothing. 
and they were doing, you know, snow angels or rain angels in the end zone at the end of the game, the 49ers were, and basically all but carried Kyle Shanahan off on their shoulders <laughs> on the way out, you know, out of the way, out of the stadium. But I don't know if anybody in the current football, you know, organization even cares about that stuff anymore. That was more of a Dan, Bruce, you know, Jay, um, you know, Kyle thing. Um, I mean, for I, for Kyle, for everything I know, he he still doesn't like Dan. Like, oh. there's and not just like doesn't like, but like there's a vitriol there that I don't think will ever really go away. I mean, oh, Logan, I you know him better. I think him and the father both. Um, yeah, really, you guys both know them for their time well, here. So. Um, but I, yeah. I don't think I think the feeling's mutual. Um, sure. But yeah, and, and and those those are interesting kind of non. I mean, the Philadelphia the, the Carson Wentz getting an opportunity to play Philly and Indy. And his first year outside of those two markets is will be interesting games. And so, by the, for, way, the other thing to the Jacksonville game, it's Doug Peterson. Mm-hmm. I mean, he coached Wentz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's another part of that storyline. Yeah. So for me, going back to the Vikings game, you know, there's this idea of like cousins and what could have been if they could have ever figured out a contract. And of course, you know, Kirk actually wanting to be here in a, in a more meaningful way. Like there's, there's always going to be that history that is dissected in a million ways. I know as a beat reporter at the time, like I was in the middle of it and God, there's so much history there. The more interesting return there is Kevin O'Connell. They could have offered him the head coaching job. They could have kept him as the offensive coordinator calling plays, and he would have never gone to Los Angeles um, because it would have been a lateral move, and they would have been able to block it. And instead, they just let they let him go. Ron Ron was not interested in continuing with him. They wanted to bring in one of his, or Ron wanted to bring in one of his own guys, and that's a guy that well, I look. Kevin's a smart guy. Kevin has seen functional organizations. He knew what was going on here at the time um, with everything. Still, you know, this is always a, a difficult conversation now, but everything going on with Dwayne at the time and, and, right. and all those kinds of things. But if they offered him the job, either the head job instead of Ron, or the OC job under Ron and on and, and a long-term basis, um, you know, with, with he, he would have stayed and so, and, or would not have a choice to have stayed. Um, so I think that when you talk about the what ifs of Washington of at this point, the last decade, like we're out that this is crazy, but like we're out of the decade of Robert, like a Robert was over a decade ago at this point, the draft and, and everything. Obviously we now move into what would have been his second year. Like we're over 10 years removed from the, the ACL tear, all that kind of stuff. So if you kind of go from like the 2015 on recent history of Washington football, the Kevin O'Connell one if is one of the depending on how he turns out as a head coach in Minnesota is actually one of the legitimate turning point what ifs not a and it's not like McVay where there was nothing they could do with Sean they couldn't keep him because in order to keep him they would have had to fire one of his best friends and there was no way Sean was going to go for that if they fired Jay do you think so, do you think the fans care about that at all do you think the fans care about him coming if Kevin back? O'Connell becomes a really good head coach in Minnesota yeah they're going to care but a I lot. think I think you're giving it more credit like this is like the thing people do with the draft right they like say oh like if you were to redraft 2022 or redraft 2021 this is how it falls right at the time like the offense was terrible here you know, it was not very good. And that's not necessarily Kevin's fault, as we all know. But he's had an opportunity to kind of grow and mature as a coach. Same thing with Kyle when he goes to Cleveland and goes to Atlanta. Like, his sure. philosophy changed, right? So, I, I just – it felt like he was kind of like the, um, you know, the redheaded stepchild at the time. You know, I didn't cover it the same way you covered it. But in the, what I mean by that is, like, you know, Jay was kind of the OC and, you know, Kevin got the game plan together and then he was getting strong-armed by Bill and – to me, I don't think the fans care necessarily. And you can say, look back, oh, look at Kevin, or look at 
Kevin, he's doing all these great things now. Like it just doesn't seem like it has the same impact as like a Sean or a Kyle or even a Mike McDaniel who were here and were fired from the organization and had the opportunity to be extended. It just like they they were successful even then in that period. Kevin, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I I think I totally agree with that. I think hiring Kevin O'Connell after the 2019 season would have been completely out of the blue. And the fan base would not have been thrilled with the hire. They weren't even thrilled with him as an offensive coordinator. Um, That would have been a shocking hire. He wasn't ready. Look, Sean's hiring in L.A. was a shocking hire. You know, I don't think the fan base even recognized how great Sean McVay was at that point. The one that was really obvious that he was headed towards being a head coach was Kyle. You know, he'd been a phenomenal offensive coordinator in Houston before he got here. And, you know, a lot of the dumb people in our, you know, uh, realm said it was a nepotism hire. Kyle was a proven first-rate offensive coordinator when he got here. And that was the trap, was to keep Mike um, and eventually turn it over to Kyle and to have either RG3, who had, you know, allowed himself to be developed by two people who really know what they're doing, or to have Kirk as the quarterback, that would have been the right track because nobody knew about Matt LaFleur. Nobody really had a sense that Sean, there were some people, I mean, Cooley thought that Sean McVay should have been hired as a head coach and yeah. Jay should have been offered the offensive coordinator job. Like that would have actually worked out. Um, but, <laughs> but Kevin O'Connell really wasn't, you know, in that moment, that would have been a stunning hire and one that Dan would have never been able to sort of envision. I, I think as a head coach, yes, as yeah, offensive coordinator, as yeah. offensive coordinator, though, and this is you know getting into like a larger conversation about Rivera's desire for comfort around him yes. and familiar voices, like to have some of that continuity. The only guy he wound up keeping was Randy Jordan, and I'm not saying that was a great offense. I mean, there were obviously some good offensive coaches on that staff. That was a very talent deficient uh, offense from a personnel standpoint, but I, I do think that keeping Kevin as an offensive coordinator would have been the right move and would not have been shocking. And he and, wouldn't uh, be the head coach right now in Minnesota because he needed possible. to be the offensive coordinator of a Super Bowl champion to get a job. Yeah. Probably, but there, no, there was definitely probably. buzz around it. No, probably. Maybe not right now, but like he was still on, like he's, <laughs> he may, he's he one that people were watching. He wouldn't be a head coach after two seasons under Ron Rivera here as an OC. Probably not, but that's also <laughs> that the McVay. Probably. The McVay <laughs> touch is uh, it's the everyone touch, watched, baby. Fourteen and nineteen over the last two years, if KOC had been the OC, that would. I mean, their offense at times the last couple of years has. But been, they haven't had a quarter. <sighs> that's also true. I mean, that's also is, true. I, I'm just saying, like the situation here so, like, wasn't good when he was here. It has not been good since he left. Like if he was the OC here, like we'd be talking about firing Kevin O'Connell through no fault of his own. He might be the most brilliant offensive mind of all time. I don't know. But like it just the situation is right. Then you get to go to L.A. They bring in a quarterback. He's under the tutelage of like it just is it projects well. And it and like that's something for fans to understand. I think this is really important. This is not a knock on Kevin O'Connell like. Uh, Kevin brought this up. Coaches take time to develop just like players do, right? So in terms of developing and maturing, like that was an integral part of him. Like you talked to Kyle and he said, he'll tell you to this, to this day, like he had, he had head coaching jobs after Cleveland. He said no, because he wasn't ready. He needed one more year, two more years in Atlanta to kind of figure that out. Sean is the only one of those guys, Matt LaFleur, same way, Mike McDaniel, same way. They wanted to kind of develop their philosophy and ideology. Sean was the only one who was like, 
ready to go at, you know, the, the ripe old age of 32. So I think that's also important for fans to understand. Like the coach that Kevin was then would not be the coach he is now if he hadn't left. And I think that's important for people to understand. I wonder, you know, you guys know Kevin, and I just don't think he's as dynamic as Sean um, as a leader and a communicator. I definitely don't think that. Um, so I'm curious as to how ready he is right now. He was the OC of a Super Bowl champion with Matt Stafford and with OBJ and with Cooper Cup and, you know, a creative head coach that's an offensive head coach. Like, Sean, it was a stunning hire, but everybody that knew Sean thought it was going to work. Everybody that knew Kyle knew he is a genius offensive mind you know, off of the tree of genius, you know, and pioneering offensive minds. Do you guys feel the same way about Kevin O'Connell? I mean, I, I'm rooting for him, but I don't know that he's in that same category. So Craig knows him probably better than anybody. So that's a, that's a Craig, Craig question all day. I know, and I can feel it. I can feel Craig's yeah, excitement to I support mean, his boy, go to bat and be like, yeah, he's the best offensive mind of all time. I won't say that. I mean, look, I covered Kevin. I covered Sean and I would take Sean eight days out of seven. Um, but that's not a knock saying that Kevin's terrible. Right. Um, I, I, is he as dynamic as Sean? No. Sean's one of the most dynamic leaders I've ever met in my entire life. You talk to the guy for five minutes and you go, that dude's special. No wonder. Right. Like, he'd be good at leading anything. Um, and, by the way, he's a schematic, you know, borderline genius. So that's a pretty good combination of traits. I think Kevin does have the, – the one thing that I would isolate about Kevin to say why I think he's going to be successful is I actually do think he has a very clear vision of what he wants, and he articulates it very well. He can tell you exactly what his offensive system is, the principles of it, and they are clear enough that I think it's easy for players to understand and buy in. And then it just gets to the point of being able to communicate the details, and I I think he's very smart and kind of understands how a cohesive offense works. And I think the time under Sean certainly would have enhanced that since I've talked to him and was having more consistent conversations with him three years ago. So I I do think that. um, Is he as dynamic as Sean? No. Would I bet my life on him being great like I probably would have been willing to, Sean? No. But do I think he's going to be a good head coach? Yeah, I I genuinely do. If he is, if he is a good co- head coach, that's going to be a good football team. Yeah, a good football team. If if he is the right answer at head, at head coach, because they've had you know issues with Zimmer and they needed an offensive head coach. I believe that. I if he's the right guy, they should be really good this year. Yeah, I think so, too. And also, I think it's important for people to understand, and you guys know this, that a head coach is only as good as his coordinators and his assistants. Mm -hmm. And from what I understand, I think he made some good hires in that department, guys that I know, guys that I'm familiar with, guys who see, have a similar vision to Kevin that can support him at least for a couple years before going on and doing their own thing, which would allow Kevin the opportunity to kind of, you know, flesh out and confirm this identity as a head coach and an OC, you know, so I think that's also important to understand, too. Yeah, definitely. All right, anything else? Any other games? Uh, by the way, home opponents this year, Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, Vikings. So, as we said, Kirk and Kevin coming back to D.C. Packers, uh, Titans, Jaguars, Falcons, Browns. The road opponents, uh, and there's one fewer of those. Washington had the, with the 17-game schedule, nine road last year, eight home. This year it's nine home, eight on the road. Road opponents, of course, Eagles, Cowboys, Giants. Then Bears, Lions, Texans, Colts, 49ers. A- any other game that we want to touch on before we, uh, we let Sheen only, go here? The only thing I was going to say is last year when you looked at the schedule, even though I don't believe in like predicting how tough or how easy a schedule, 
Last year, you knew that the starting quarterbacks of the teams that they had on their schedule were great. Like, I don't know in recent memory if any teams faced the, the – they had the AFC West, so they had Herbert, Mahomes, um, Carr, and I wouldn't even put Carr necessarily in that class. They had Aaron Rodgers, they had Tom Brady, they had Russell Wilson, they had Prescott twice, and I'm forgetting somebody as well, Matt Ryan um, – can't, I don't have last year's schedule in front of me, but it was murderer's yeah. row. They got Jameis when he was playing lights out. Like it they was had. the best game. Yeah. Yeah. This year, you, you know, you have Aaron Rodgers. You know what would be really interesting is if Deshaun Watson's first game after whatever suspension they give him is against Washington, because that'll be a huge story. Josh they, Allen was the other yeah. one. I'm sorry? Oh, yeah. Josh they had Allen. Allen last year at the Bills. Josh yeah. Allen. Exactly. Yeah. Who yeah. looked like the best player in football last year? So yeah, so they've got Aaron Rodgers this year. They've got um, you know Prescott twice. They've got Kirk. They've got Watson. You know Ryan Tannehill. Get Tannehill. that in there. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's I mean, a murderous, have, have that's a murderous row. Andy. It's it's different <laughs> this year. I mean Davis Mills. You know. For yeah. So it's different. But you've also got a lot of wild cards, right? You got Lawrence in his second year. We, who knows what True. Kyle's going to be able to do with Trey Lance? Like we don't know whether Watson's going to be playing for the Browns or whether it'll be the backup. So right. like there, there's a lot of wild cards on that front too. I mean, and look, if Derrick Henry's healthy, like the Titans and you know Tannehill's a different quarterback when he gets to turn around and hand it to 22, 30 times a game, and then he just has to operate within that framework. So, I mean, it's the NFL. <laughs> The opener opener might be the game in which they are the biggest favorite they are all year long. I mean, they could be one of the biggest favorites in week one, period. I mean, the Giants, you know, but you don't know by the time you get to those games. Remember last (laughs) five division games to close the year. Yeah. That was a a major anomaly. I mean, that, that was unusual. Maybe they're trying to do more of that now. Uh, I think definitely. I, I wouldn't be surprised if at least it's the last four again. You know, it's going to be the last two. I think that's by rule. It's the last, last at least the last one. The last if, one if is not. the rule. Um, but the, yeah, yeah. I, a lot of teams had three out of their final five or four out of their final six last year. No doubt about it. All right, uh, Kevin Sheehan, the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast, and of course the Kevin Sheehan Show, six to nine a.m. weekdays on the Team Nine Eighty. Sheehan, we will certainly have you back for uh, other discussions of varying types uh, as we get more going here on the podcast. Question. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, We we know your depth of knowledge goes beyond the schedule. (laughs) We had to honor the bit. Good luck to honor the bit. Good luck. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Appreciate you coming on, Kip. Take care. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Take Command podcast. I'm Craig Hoffman. That's Logan Paulson wrapping up here with something we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. Go take a look around the division in the NFC East and talk about the other division rivals offseason. So we obviously talked a lot about the Commanders offseason in our first show, specifically the draft. But Logan, as we start this uh, here on schedule release day, we don't know when the Giants games will be, but what will we see, at least we think, uh, when Big Blue shows up? What, first of all, let's just start with the head coaching hire. Do you like Brian Dable as a head coach? He was awesome as an offensive coordinator in Buffalo. What do you make of him as a, as a head coach for New York? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think that's probably the most exciting thing the Giants have done this offseason. And, and what I mean by that is I think they haven't done a lot in free agency. Their draft, I think, is, is good but not great. And so they're really relying on Brian Dable to kind of work his magic with um, Daniel Jones and whoever, if Daniel Jones makes it through the year, great, um, and kind of figure out what they have there and if they need to draft a quarterback in 2023. And I think, you know, that's the way the league is going. Defensive head coaches aren't quite as sexy as they used to be. I mean, obviously, um, uh, Brandon Staley out in L.A. is, a, is kind of the exception to that rule. But, if we, you know, we talked a lot about uh, Kevin O'Connell and just how that Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan tree has kind of, uh, you know, disseminated throughout the uh, NFL. And so I think that's, that's the way to go. And I think he's got a good offensive mind. That offense was outstanding and he did help, you know, Josh Allen become arguably the most dominant quarterback in the NFL last year. So I think that that makes a lot of sense. And then obviously he's working with uh, Joe Schoen, the, the, the assistant general manager from the Bills. I think that's also kind of interesting because they know each other well. They kind of have a similar ideology. So hopefully that helps out. And then uh, uh, Don uh, Martindale is the defensive coordinator, former Baltimore guy. And I love the Baltimore defense. So I think those three hires – um, are probably the most significant thing they've done that offseason and the, probably going to be the most significant factor in whether the Giants are good or bad next season. I love the Dable hire for them. If they're if Daniel Jones is going to work, Dable seems like the kind of guy who can make him work. Like You think of yep. the attributes that Josh Allen had, the kind of offense that they ran, how they were able to, to break things down for him, especially early. Like Forget Josh Allen last year. Like Think Josh Allen two years ago. Right, like yeah. the kind of offense that they ran to make things simple for him to utilize his athleticism, to utilize his running ability, and you look at the strengths that Daniel Jones has: great athlete, big arm. Uh, the decision making has obviously been bad. The, the the biggest thing though for him is ball security, which I would be a little scared to let him run as much as. And also, he's not nearly as big, like you know, bulk wise, as Josh yeah. Allen to take but the he's, hits. He's, but he's like Josh Allen light, though. I think that's a yeah. really fair comparison. And you know, even if they get you know, 80% of Josh Allen, I think they'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah, you resign him and you, you move forward with him and see what he can do moving forward. So I, I, I love the Dable hire from that element because if Dable can't make him work, then you know, like, all right, we got to move on. Like, I trust Dable's opinion on that. And mm-hmm. they, they at that point know Daniel Jones ain't it. Forget an extension. That was yeah. his fifth year. Or that was that was the end of his contract. See ya. Um, so, yeah, and obviously Martindale and Baltimore are tremendously successful. So you, yeah. we'll see what they can do on that side of the ball. Um, what did you make of their draft? They had two picks in the top 10. Do you like the talent that they brought in? Yeah. So I think obviously like Kayvon Thibodeau, arguably the best pass rusher in the class. You know, I don't, I wasn't as high on them as maybe some others, but he has elite, an elite first step. He doesn't bend as well as like the truly elite, like Von Miller kind of pass rush guys, but 
really twitched up, very powerful, more of a power rusher than I think people want to give him credit for, relies on his quickness and his long arm to be successful, didn't face the best tackles in the Pac-12, so you kind of wonder about how that projects long term for them, but you know, in terms of like things they needed, they needed an elite edge rusher, and I think he's about as close as you're going to get in this 2022 draft class, um, and I think you feel pretty good about it. And Evan Neal, in my opinion, was the most NFL-ready of those top three tackles. He has played right tackle, right guard, left guard, and left tackle, all offensive line positions except for center so he plugs and plays on the right side in a nice way and you get these really big bookends that kind of flush out this roster in a nice way so I think you get two people who could potentially be generational talents there have been some questions about Evan Neal's commitment to football and coaches that I've talked to but again like I think um, you know in terms of athletic upside I mean, maybe the most athletic upside of anybody in the class just because he's so big and he's so um, so kind of twitched up and, and moves so well for a man who's 6'7", 350, kind of Jonathan Ogden-esque vibes. He's not Jonathan Ogden, obviously, but that's kind of the, the pantheon of physical tools that you're dealing with. And then they got Wandell Robinson in the second round from Kentucky, 5'11", 185 pounds, small guy, twitched up, think like uber slot receiver, kind of like that skill set that everyone values. A lot of people thought he was a reach, but after I watched him, like, I fell in love with his tape, dude. Like, really nice weapon. And again, like, that's like the security blanket Cole Beasley piece to that offense. And I think it'll be a nice security blanket for uh, Daniel Jones. Yeah. And, you know, they thought they drafted that guy. Well, they did draft that guy last year in Kadarius Tony. The problem is yeah. he's got uh, other issues, and we'll see if he's on the roster by and the I time training comes you know, Kader- yeah, well, yeah, I think that's a good point. But I think he also showed that he could play like a Z. You know, he, like, not, he doesn't necessarily have to be a slot, Kadarius Tony. Now, uh, you mentioned the the off, the, you know, like the the commitment to football, the off field stuff, and yeah. we'll see how that goes. But it's nice to have a guy like Wandell Robinson, who I guess like I hadn't watched his tape prior to this because he wasn't on the list that I was given. But man, he looked he looked impressive, physical, especially for a small dude. Not the necessarily the fastest guy in the world, but very very twitchy and like he could be a problem for Washington. You know, how do you match up with a guy who's that twitched up in the slot? I think it's going to be really interesting. The next guy they drafted is Joshua Azudu. Azudu, I don't know how to say his name, North Carolina guard that played tackle. I think this was a little bit of a reach personally uh, at this spot. I like his film, but I think he's a little stiff and I think they're projecting him to be the starter at one of the guard spots. You know, they had a free agent sighting of, uh, what's his name? Mark, no, um, yeah, Mark Glowoski. Um, from the Colts, who's kind of a rotational backup guy, but is a good starter, good production, um, to kind of flush out those interior guard spots for uh, the Giants, which was bad. I think Joshua's kind of the complementary piece to him. But again, I think he's very, very raw. You know, everyone, uh, you know, is very familiar with Sam Howell at this point, And this was the offensive line that made it very difficult for them to protect him. So I think that that's something uh, that I'm kind of surprised he went this high. Um, and then uh, Cordell Flott is the cornerback from LSU, who I absolutely loved his tape. He's 6'1", 165, so a very small That's human a little being. dude. Very small, but, man, he'll come up and smack you in the mouth. He, I get very strong, like, Winfield vibe, Winfield Senior vibes from him. Small mm. dude, good oh, I say Antoine Winfield Jr. is not a little dude. Yes. Uh, that- Antoine Antoine Winfield Jr. is not, but his dad yeah, is not. His dad, his dad was wiry. His, yeah. Winfield Jr. That's a that's a large large young man. 
Yes, but yeah, so this guy has kind of has those vibes, really nice in coverage. I, I loved his tape and feels like great value for them. Uh, I think it was like their last pick of the third round. Um, but again, at 165, like how does that guy hold up over the course of the year playing like that nickel, basically like their Buffalo nickel is where he projects to me. And he's got to have to take on offensive linemen and stuff. And yeah. I don't know how that, how yeah, that Land- goes. Landon Collins was, was the example of that position. <laughs> it's 60 pounds heavier at least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I like the player, but again, like you get a little worried about the size and how that projects. And then, you know, obviously Ricky Seals Jones signed up there and they needed and he's like the F kind of move piece. And I think he showed some nice traits here in Washington to kind of have a larger role. And I think that's why he went to New York. At least that's the way I understand it. And then that leaves they need to fill out the Y spot. I think they found maybe the best value Y in the draft in Daniel Bellinger out of San Diego State. He was one of my favorite guys to watch. He's very, very physical in the run game, understands angles at a high level, makes their run game significantly better, which is always good for a quarterback like Daniel Jones, you know, Evan Neal, and then having Bellinger in there also, you know, two kind of pieces that can help Saquon Barkley as well. Uh, but right. I think he has some up, some nice upside in the pass game, which gets you excited. So, you know, I like that pick a lot in terms of filling a need. I like Flott also. I like Robinson. I, like I said, the guard's a little bit of a reach. Um, Dane Belton from Iowa is a guy that I know they liked here quite a bit. I am not as high on him as guys that I spoke to around the league. I think he is just I wonder about his commitment to playing football, and he kind of projects as like the replacement to, oh, gosh, what's the kid from Michigan's name? Um, shoot. The used to return punts doesn't really matter, but kind of as their <laughs> starting safety. And he, I oh, don't, Jabril Peppers. Yes, I don't see that same type of pop, that same type of energy, that same type of coverage ability. He gets kind of bullied by bigger tight ends. So, you know, don't love that. You know what I mean? Like just kind of a yeah. weird projection. Uh, and so you, get, you take him in the fourth. Maybe you say that's good value. But, you know, our fourth round pick, Butler, I expect him to start and contribute. And his film supports that. This pick, I don't feel as good about it. Um, Micah McFadden from Indiana is a linebacker who reminds me so much of Blake Martinez. Like, oh, my gosh. It's like they were like, oh, let's Uh just take Blake Martinez's clone and see what happens. He doesn't take on blocks well. Got some nice kind of bend and blitz as well. Runs well to the football. Needs to be covered up to be successful. Probably projects more as a special teams guy. But, again, like in that Baltimore defense, they cover those linebacker up, those linebackers up in a nice way. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they signed Justin Ellis, that 6'2", 250-pound nose guard. So, obviously, that's going to be a big priority for them. And maybe he can play in that defense. I don't think he starts, but maybe develops into a rotational piece. Um, DJ Davison, uh, defensive tackle at Arizona State, is such a Baltimore pick, like big kind of you know, Huey, like soft kind of guy, but I think projects to be a rotational starter. Maybe my favorite pick for them is Marcus McKee, McKeithen from North Carolina. He's a guard, 6'7", 340. So imagine him and Evan Neal lining up. guard. Yeah, yes. Imagine him lining up next to Evan Neal, right? 35 and a half inch arms and moves really well. There has to be something wrong with this man, like in terms of like off-field issues or something like that for him to fall to the fifth. But I think actually of the two guards they picked, he projects in my mind at least – from a physical tool standpoint, to be more of a starter, I think the other guy, uh, Joshua, has better like twitch and grind to him. So you feel really good about that. But I think in terms of physical skill set, McKeithen's the guy that you say, man, that could be really special. And then they finished off the draft with Darian Beavers, who's you like his tape, you like his physical measurables, but is a tweener. Like he played the end and linebacker. And so you kind of wonder about where he projects, probably more of a special teamer, but might develop into like a rotational um 
his size dictates like off-ball linebacker, but he was more productive off the edge in college. So in terms of their draft, I think, you know, obviously Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal, Robinson, Flott are guys that stick out. Bellinger is another one. And then you look at the upside of a guy like McKeithen and say, maybe they get a starter out of that. But they just had a lot of picks. And then they didn't, they weren't very active in free agency, which is something else to consider moving forward. They signed one guy to a three-year deal. That's Mark Lewoski. And he'll probably be a starting guard. So in terms of big move to support Daniel Jones, they kind of felt like the roster was in a good spot. And I think that's really interesting. So outside of those top picks, they weren't like, here, we're going to really support this guy. So here's the thing about that, though. I don't disagree with that. Like, yeah. if, if they're healthy, right? Because yeah. you have Saquon Barkley and Matt yep. Breida in the backfield. Yeah. You have Kenny Galladay still around, Darius Slayton still around. Those are two really good wide receivers. And oh, by the way, on the other side, is Sterling Shepard, who's yeah. been fantastic and a pain in Washington side forever. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about Kadarius Tony already, and then they do bolster the tight end position. They lose Evan Ingram, which a lot of Giants fans will tell you wasn't that much of a loss. <laughs> um, open a lot, drops a lot. Right. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones comes in is, is the starter there, and then we talked about what they did for the O line. So, uh, you know, I I like their weapons. Like, yeah. They're they're a freaky team on the outside in a lot of ways. Like Barkley Breed is good good as a backup yep. and then the, the receivers that we mentioned and, and Wandell Robinson mixing or coming in that mix as well. You talked about a lot and then, you know, we'll see about on defense. Like they've got some nice pieces. They've got Leonard Williams. Who's played a lot better for the giants than he did for the jets. Right. Thibodeau, you know, we'll see he's a rookie and then their but back playing, seven is, yeah, is a big to, question mark, but yeah, playing next to Elogiari, we'll uh, Elogiari, the kid from yeah. Georgia, you know, nice, nice bookend pass rushers. They've got some nice depth in on the interior defensive line. Dexter Lawrence is a guy who's always been very productive there. So mm-hmm. thinking about him in that Baltimore system, that's kind of exciting. That front looks drastically different now. But you mentioned the back end. They got some moves. Bradbury's gone, right? He was, I thought, maybe their best player in the back end, which is a little surprising. Maybe not the right fit. But, um, yeah, and uh, you know, so maybe, maybe. But, you know, like this is an offensive-driven league, so it makes sense that they support the young quarterback, build that offense out. Because, I mean, if you, even if you look it up at, uh, in, in uh, Buffalo, right, they, they, defense is good but not great. Their offense really carries that team, and maybe they're trying to build something similar here. All right, so last question, because uh, the Giants' schedule has fully leaked. So I'm not going to oh, tell you what it is. nice. But, or at least I'm not going to tell you before I ask you this question. Audience listening, I will tell you the schedule, because that would, that would just be rude. Um, <laughs> would you rather play this team early or late in the season? Oh, shoot. I'd rather play them early, I think. You know, I think, like, just because I think Daniel Jones, under new offensive coordinator, you got some young guys starting early. Like, let Montez test Evan Neal out for you. Get them early before they can kind of solidify that starting five in terms of offensive line, and Daniel Jones can kind of get the offense totally grasped. I would agree with you. So I then become the bearer of bad news because you're going to see them weak, at least according to uh, Paul Schwartz of the New York Post, of the schedule that he is leaking. It's week four, or sorry, week 13 and week 15. Ooh, yeah. So you get them December 4th, uh, 1 p.m. game, and then the home game for Washington is going to be either a Saturday or a Sunday. You'll get December uh, 17th or 18th. Uh, and that time, obviously. Well, to give the fans some some optimism, you know, we just said we'd like to see him early. I also think Daniel Jones could be a garbage fire through week 10, and then he gets benched, and then Tyrod Taylor's your starter, which, you know, well, is not... Week 9 is their bye, so that's good timing on you <laughs> without even knowing it. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's also important to consider. Like, this is a Daniel Jones, like, audition for next year. 
can he do it? Can he get it done? They haven't exercised his fifth year option. I don't think maybe I'm wrong. No, they did. They did not. Yeah. So like, obviously he's got to have a great season this year to kind of show that he deserves um, an opportunity to be the starting quarterback for maybe not the giants, but some team around the NFL. So here's other things uh, as we wrap up the podcast. Um, I wish we had this information when Kevin was on, but uh, Giants closing with Philly, which means Washington will close with Dallas. Mm. Uh, also, they are at Dallas on Thanksgiving. So unless Washington is playing Detroit on Thanksgiving, uh, we will not be doing a, a Thanksgiving pregame show or you know, assuming that we're doing the pregame show, again. Uh, but we we will not be on Thanksgiving. Uh, let's see what else is, is come out at the end that we can react to uh, real quick. NFL schedule leaks tracker uh, looks like commanders will visit San Francisco on Christmas Eve. That's a tough trip. That's so, a tough yeah, trip. that's that's a tough trip. And I believe that's a Saturday night uh, as well. Uh, and that's uh, that's what we got so far. Mm. So. Uh, week six at Chicago, Thursday night football. We've got oh, that one so far. That's, week that's 13 a... at the Giants. Week 15 versus the Giants. Week 16 at the 49ers. And then we obviously know, uh, as we just said, Dallas Cowboys. Not sure whether it's home or away, uh, but it will be week 18 to close the season. Uh, any final thoughts on, on schedule release, or should we get this podcast out into the universe so people can listen before the schedule actually drops? I don't actually care about the schedule that much. You know, like it just felt like it just feels like you're treading water until you get the schedule. Like, I understand, like, Kevin actually brought up a really interesting point that there is like all this nuance that goes into it. So now I kind of respect his mock schedule a little bit more, you know, that it's, I think you might respect it more than he does at this point. Yeah, I probably do. But like, that's a cool <laughs> thing. Like I didn't understand kind of the intellectual layering that went into making a schedule. And so respect. So I don't want to diminish it too much, but it, like I would, let's just get the schedule and then we can start talking about that. So, uh, on Monday, you're saying we are going to go week by week and say win loss through the, <laughs> we could, I mean, we could do that. I mean, that's always kind of a fun thing. I feel thing like to we do. have to, I feel like we're contractually obliged. I don't know. You read the contract very carefully. <laughs> I did read it carefully. Nothing in there about that, but I do think it's always okay, fun to kind of do, you know, like just kind of, you know, I think maybe, maybe we could put a modifier on and say like, as of this point in the off season, before yeah. any games have been played before training camp, this is the state of the rosters. This is what we think. So we'll do that on Monday's pod. We will at least go through the schedule since we will have it. Uh, we will also kind of get everybody set for OTAs as that's the next thing on the schedule. Every Thursday, we're going to do the divisional preview. So next Thursday's pod, a week from now, two pods from now, we will go through. We, we can call it now. We want to do Philly or Dallas next week. Um, either one. Philly? That's too Philly. I think, I, do right, Philly. Right now, I think they're the best team in the division. So would you okay. want to say the best let's, for last? Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's do Dallas next week. Uh, okay. We'll do Philly uh, to, to close our little divisional uh preview by week here uh over the next couple of weeks and then by the time we're done with that we'll be through in the middle of otas i will get to see some of these guys on the field which will be pretty cool uh make sure you subscribe it doesn't matter where you subscribe wherever you're listening right now because assuming that's the place you listen to podcasts so whether it's apple podcast spotify the odyssey app uh stitcher pod whatever just subscribe uh, that way you get each and every episode fresh in your feed as soon as it's ready you can follow logan on instagram at logan underscore paulson 82 i'm at craig underscore hoffman and i'm on twitter at craig hoffman as well and and by the end of the month we'll get logan on twitter it's an ongoing yes project. yes uh, you will enter the cesspool uh until then uh hope you have a great weekend uh thanks for listening to take command